0: How's everybody doing? Warm enough? Oh yeah, it's just now it, all the uh experts in leadership and so on like that would, would say don't draw attention to the fact that it's hot in here and everybody would like to go to sleep or be on the beach rather than here. But I'm not into all that stuff. I just kinda wing it. So right now you're here. And you you're you're you're, um, you're here, I believe for such a time as this, that, that this is an important moment that you're here. I believe that you're here to hear something and to, to actually receive something. And uh, so the sacrifice of actually even being here, um, it's pretty small when you consider other people around the world and what they have to face together the way we do. I'm so appreciative of the fact that we can gather together and uh, just worship together and learn from God together. So welcome. If you're a guest here, Yeah, it's like this all summer, so enjoy it. (laughs) Actually, summer in Nova Scotia is usually the best two weeks of the year, but um, hopefully this year it'll be longer than that. Today we're in week three of our series called The Pursuit of Joy. The Pursuit of Joy. What you pursue, I know this sounds very, very simple, but it's profound. What you pursue will actually determine where you end up. Alright, so if it's the pursuit of happiness, happiness is something that comes and goes. Happiness, I said in the first message, is a bit of a rabbit trail. It's like you can follow it and you can go all over the place, but you never actually get to where you think you want to be. Now, joy, joy is something different. Joy is something deeper, something more profound. Joy is something that, that goes beyond that. It's more resilient. Scripture says that sorrow may last for a night, for a season... We will experience sorrow, but we have hope because joy comes in the morning. And last week we talked about joy stealers, things that will steal your joy. And we talked about comparison, worry, and cynicism. Those three things is like they they will steal your joy. They will suck the joy out of you. But we also talked about thankfulness, trust, and hope, which will bring it back. As As we live out of a place of thankfulness, as we learn to trust God, as we put our hope in him. God will bring that back, and I thank God for that. We need that. I want to talk today about a, 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 a secret to, not secret maybe, I don't know if that's the right word, a key, yes, a key to living in joy that is sometimes overlooked, and, it, and it's, um, it's more subtle, but, but it's powerful, it's a, it's a life principle that isn't, I'll say, as cool and some trendy as some other ones, but it's no less valid and, and applicable to our joy. It's the joy that comes from walking in obedience. Yes, I said obedience. Specifically, obedience to God. Now you might think, and I don't know what your church background is, you might be a guest here this morning, you might have different, we all come with with different uh, views and and mindsets, but you might be thinking that this is where we we get all about the rules and, and church dictating what we wear and how we live our lives. No, it's not. That's not. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I want you to just pause. Pause for a moment and think of this. Have you ever met a religious, legalistic, mean-spirited person that was full of joy? <laughs> Neither have I. I don't think God is particularly impressed with that either. So I'm not talking about legalism and rules. Um, we read, there's a story in First Samuel, it's in the Old Testament, First Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22 is the, the key verse, but but Saul was the king and he had gone out and gone to war and he was supposed to destroy all the animals and he brought some of the best of them back and he says, well, I'm going to sacrifice them to God. But he had a mandate, he had orders, what he was supposed to fill out. Samuel says to him, confronts him, and he says this, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in in obeying the voice of the Lord? Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So a little context, burnt offerings and sacrifices were religious observances at the time of Samuel the prophet. They weren't wrong. All right, That was just one of the ways that they expressed their worship to God. It wasn't wrong. But just because you sacrifice an animal doesn't mean you walk in obedience. So he was, they were being religious. And I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about being obedient. That, that place of surrender, that place of walking on a higher path than we would choose for ourselves. I'm saying that there is joy in obedience. Though it may seem from our culture that that that's a bit counterculture, and and it is. It's counterculture, and and I don't apologize for that. There's a sense in our culture that I'll say the more rebellious you are, the more you kick against obedience, the the less obedience in your life, then the more free you are. You know, I'm not bound by the rules. And I I don't want to be flippant about this. I want to say this in seriousness, but ask an addict how free they are or how free they feel. There's a joy in obedience. There's a joy in walking with God and in God. And it brings joy and freedom without guilt, without regret, but with joy. So Jesus, he, he's teaching his followers, like they, they're, they're different ones that have come around him. And he's teaching them about living a fruitful life. This was getting towards the, you know, the kind of the middle of his ministry. And he's like, he's hanging out with these guys. And as he, as he works through that, He he wants them to live a fruitful life, and a fruitful life is one that, you know, that where the teachings of of Jesus are are displayed, and there's things that happen, like your life is producing something. There's, you know, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How'd I do? Did I get them all? All you scholars out there? He says, this is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. This is the key line for this message here. I have told you this so that may joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. God, I pray that your truth will will come to light. God, that your joy will well up within us. God, that you will help us to understand what it is to walk in obedience to you. And may it transform us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus says, "So, so that my joy may be in you. That, that your joy may be complete. See, God wants us to walk in joy. As I was, as I was writing this message, as I was pulling it all together, I wrote some questions because this came out of my personal walk with God. And it's like, I'm trying to figure some things out. And as I'm walking along, and one of the questions I wrote on my paper, is there evidence, is there biblical precedent for actually joy being part of our Christian existence, our Christian life here on earth? I mean, can we expect to live in joy or should, should we not? And I look, at this, I look at this and it's like that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I mean, he connects, to, he connects your joy to, to walking in obedience, but it's complete joy. I mean, our, our culture would tell us that happiness is found in loving yourself. Look within yourself. Find, be whole in you. Like your happiness comes from within. I understand what they're saying to some extent, but that's flawed because what Jesus says is that joy, which is better than happiness, joy is found in loving each other. Happiness is found in loving yourself. Joy is found in loving each other, laying down your life for a friend. I mean, it seems counterintuitive, but how many narcissistic people do you know that exude joy and you wanna spend time with? I mean, neither do I. Obedience leads to lasting joy. As we walk with him. I want to give like. The scripture is full of examples. But I actually want to give a kind of a counter example. Out of scripture. If that's cool it's like. I want to give an example of where someone was given an opportunity to obey. And rather than obey. They decided they would do their own thing. And just the results of that. It's found in Mark chapter 10. Where Jesus encounters a wealthy young man. Or a wealthy young man encounters Jesus. Jesus is teaching again. And as he does a lot, gathered around his followers, disciples are there. And this, this young man comes up to him, and it's a great little story. It starts in Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17. So, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit spiritual, or eternal life? Jesus' strange question says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, or do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. This is an incredible young man. He says, teacher, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. Better man than I am. I don't know about you, but it's like that, that's pretty amazing that he was able to do that. So Jesus looked at him, verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Like, Jesus, like, man, I love this guy. And this is what he does. He says, one thing you lack, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. I just want to throw in here, like, Jesus was inviting this young man to follow him. It says that Jesus loved him. It's like Jesus looked at him and' like, "Man, I love this guy." Like th- this young man he said, "I want him to be part of my team. I want him to come with me. He's got something like this is awesome." He says, just, just come follow me." Matthew 10:22. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away, sad, because he had great wealth. He walked away sad. See, the challenge that Jesus gave this young man was to go beyond being a religious person to becoming an obedient Christ follower. He had managed somehow to be very much um, follow the religious rules and make connections there. Like, he was able to do that. But when, when Jesus interacted with him, he says, you're missing something. Like, it's like yeah, you've got, you got this, but you're missing something. And Jesus, of course, recognized it as the man's uh, connection to his wealth and and prestige and and the things that go with that. He was saying, let go of your wealth and follow me. Walk with me. Be my disciple. And the man went away sad. Now, now understand, money isn't bad. There there were different rich people, very wealthy people that hung out with Jesus, and Jesus didn't tell them that they had to give up their wealth finances to be able to be around him. But he asked everyone who followed him to give up something. And he was very, very strategic about those things. He asked everybody to give up something. Not everyone that Jesus invited to follow him actually did it. And the wealthy young man walked away sad, but wealthy. Rich but dejected. I mean, Jesus said, just follow me. Give it up, let it go. It's an invitation to pursue him, to go after him, and the life and the joy that is found only in obeying him. Be careful what you pursue because it will determine where you end up. To pursue him is to embrace the journey. I believe that all of us were created with purpose and that there is no greater joy than living our lives with passion and purpose. There's joy in that. And you may be sitting there thinking, well that's okay, you're the pastor. Of course you would say that. You know, like you you know you're you're called. You're 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 you know, you're special. <laughs> my wife says I'm special all the time, but it means something different in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. But we were created, we were created for purpose and meaning. It's so much more than mere existence. You see, you matter. Your Your contribution to the world matters. Each of you. Be the best you you can be. Everyone else is taken. God created you for something. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. We usually kind of separate these, but I want to put them together. Like often we learn Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Yeah, and we celebrate that. Or Ephesians 2, 10, and we celebrate that. But Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Putting them together. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. And that's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Salvation is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. You, you don't earn your way to salvation, you receive it as a gift from God. We don't do works to get saved. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepare, prepared in advance for us to do. You're like, that's, counter, that's no, 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 it's, it's not contradictory. We don't do works to get saved, we do works out of that place of where we have been saved because we have been saved with purpose and calling, and there are works. There are things that God has planned for us to do. Do you know that God prepared works, things for you to do before you were even born? According to this scripture and others, that you were created on purpose for a purpose. He has plans for you, and they are good plans. And we discover those plans as we walk in obedience. It's a journey. You know, we get direction from from God's word, from the Bible. We get get direction from other ways, if I can find my notes. We get direction from fellow believers, each other. We get direction from God through his Holy Spirit. It's more than success, it's significance. But we, we get direction from God and we walk in it. We take this journey. I've heard people say, and it's like, not every day, but I've heard people say this. I, I kind of sense, I kind of get a feeling that God is, is kind of nudging me in this direction and you fill in the blank. It's like, I get kind of a sense that maybe God wants me to whatever. And many times, but and then fill in the blank i get a sense that god wants me to you fill in the blank but and then you fill in the blank do you see the irony of that like the, the, we we kind of look at that and it's like i mean i get it i mean sometimes it's difficult to know without a shadow of a doubt that god has spoken to you or is guiding you in some way that's where faith comes into play i mean honestly i'm your pastor and i'm saying there are days most days when I am not, in fact, I don't think I've ever been 100% sure this is what I should do. Maybe when I get married. But no, even then, you know, like there's a moment, like, right? So there's, there, there's this gap, this, this tension that we have to kind of wrestle with, that we don't have like this 100% absolute, thus saith the Lord, written in stone, And I'm not saying that we immediately act on every thought that goes through our minds or take everything that someone walks up to us and said, thus saith the Lord, and this is what you should do. We test it. We confirm it. We make sure it lines up with God's word, God's character. But there comes a point when we have to decide what we will do with what we sense God is directing us towards or to walk in. And it's not always something huge. Sometimes it's, pay for the Tim Hortons order in the line behind you. You know what I mean? Like It doesn't have to be earth shattering. It could be something small. It could be a word of encouragement. It could be a text of encouragement to somebody. It could be a handshake or a hi. It could be, go to Australia. It could be, it could be many different things. A sense that God is, but. There comes a point where God, where we've got to wrestle with what God's directing us to. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. He planted this church, and he's kind of writing them lo- another letter just to kind of check up on them and make sure that everything's going well. Not every time it did, but at this point he's 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 encouraging them in Philippians chapter two, starting at verse 12. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Get the picture of a journey here. It's like, guys, you've you've been obedient. You've been walking in this. And it's like, so just continue to work it out. That's what we do. We work it out. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Right? So we're working it out, but God's working in us. According to his good purposes, we're walking in that that obedience that says, all right, God, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. I want to walk in purpose. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing. I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may be- boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. He says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifices, like even if like, even if I'm just, in, uh, Paul's saying, even if I am like a sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I'm glad I am rejoiced with all of you so that you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Just as you have obeyed, he said, as you work it out, as you wrestle with it, as you walk in obedience, as you shine like stars according to God's good purpose, God says, I rejoice. I am full of joy. And I want you to be full of joy as well. There's a joy in walking in obedience that we won't find any other place. There's a fulfillment, there's a, there's a sense of, of, of real significance in walking in lockstep with God. And as I said, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's huge, sometimes it's, it takes a lifetime to fulfill, sometimes it takes a few moments, but there's that sense of, I kind of get a sense that God is. And some of you are sitting there going, I wish you'd stop talking about that. Because I sense that God is saying blank, but, right? Just, just get, out, get, out, get to the good point, get to the joy part. Get to the joy, the joy. Okay. You want the joy? Get the butt out of there. <laughs> the joy comes from walking in obedience to him, figuring it out, walking it out, making mistakes, yes. Not being 100% sure all the time, yes but willing to take a risk and to step out. So here's what I want you to do with this message, what I've just talked about, the joy of walking in obedience. I want you to respond to this message in a symbolic yet practical way today. I sense that God is calling or has called many of us to obedience. It's different for each person but it's significant to you and to God. And I'm going to ask you in just a moment, just a minute, I'm going to ask you to, if you want to acknowledge that God is speaking to you and, and in some way you, you want to respond to that, maybe he was speaking to you in the past and you want prayer, I'm going to invite you to come forward in a few minutes and we're going to, we're going to take a few moments to pray as we, as we worship. But it's like, I believe that God has plans and purposes for your life. As we go into worship, it's no hurry to leave, guys, but I just want to invite anybody that is sensing that God is calling you to a place of obedience where you want to respond by coming to the front for prayer and in dedication to follow the will of God in your life. By coming forward, you're saying, yes, Lord. This isn't a -a once-in-a-lifetime thing I'm asking you to consider here. This is, this is, Working it out, this is, I'm asking you to consider as an ongoing journey of walk and obedience, of taking another step of faith, of recognizing that God has plans and purposes for you and you're all in. Could be in the area of your job or school. You know, where your education, that, that, that you feel like God is calling you forward in that and he has plans and purposes and strategies for you. It could be a sense of wanting to find a new way to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heart of our city or like Sarah to the world. It could be a renewed passion for something that you already know that God's called you to and you're struggling. It could be a sense that there are people in your life that you're choosing to commit to pray for regularly and be willing to be obedient and let them know the source of the hope that you have. It could be that you're here today and you know you're not walking with God. You may know about God, but you're not a Christian. And today you want to say, yes, Lord, I need you. I want to follow you. And you can come forward with the others and we'll pray with you today. And we'll believe for God to meet you where you are. You know, as Catherine was praying and as she could sense that, it's like, I get a sense in the same way. So if you're here this morning and you feel like God is kind of tugging at your heart, there's something and you want to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Like it's not, There's nothing special about me up here. There's nothing really special actually about this real estate. It just up front here. It just makes it easier to pray for people. So if you want to say yes this morning, if you want to step out and say, yes, Lord, you feel God's tugging at your heart. As we, as we worship, come on down. It's like, Ask some folks to, to be able to come and to pray. Some of the, any of our board members that are here, or any of our, our staff, our leadership team that are, are sensing that's like, yeah, there you go. God's leading again. The sensing that you should come and pray for someone. You can do that as we, as we go into worship. Let me just, before we start the words, let me just pray a general prayer here. God, I thank you that you speak. And, I, and, thank, and God, I thank you that you not only speak, but you give us the courage to respond. And God, for folks that are responding this morning in different ways, Lord, specifically at this moment, for those that have come to the front here, God, I just pray. Lord, as you've, as you've drawn them, as you're speaking, as they're hearing, as they're saying yes, Lord, God, that your power, your, your direction, your favor would rest upon them. Lord, give them clarity. Help them just to, to know this, the, the plans and purposes that you have for them, that you created them for, and God, where there's there's a tendency to, to dis, dis, you know kind of disqualify ourselves. God, will we think no, we're not good enough? Oh, I'm just, I'm broken, I'm sinful, I, I'm, I'm all these things, and, and the list gets longer and longer and reasons why we disqualify ourselves. God, help that to fall away today. God, that you use broken people, that you bring your wholeness into that, and you actually use it for your glory. So we stand before you this morning, God, as broken but obedient people praying for you to use us for your glory, O oh God. So Lord, have your way, I pray in Jesus' name.